Hey guys, Ben Hacker here from Athletes USA Sports Media and welcome to the ASM podcast. This podcast is here to help you guys learn and navigate the US college system and how you can get a scholarship. We'll also be sharing insights into growing your own personal sporting brands and how we work with some of the biggest brands to give you the best opportunities in making and succeeding as a professional athlete. In this episode, it's a particular topic I got a lot when I first started working for Athletes USA and what that is, what is the difference between all the schools Hopefully this episode will help you guys out, but as ever, just let us know on Instagram or Facebook for the topics you want covered. Enjoy. Hey guys, and welcome to the Athletes USA podcast. This is episode seven. Uh, we've got an interesting week for you and a few big announcements, guys, don't we? Mm-hmm. We've got oh, some yeah. good stuff. So I'm here to your host, Chris Fidel, founder of Athletes USA. I'm also here with the one and only Ben Dietz. Hey guys, what's happening? That was a slight response. <laughs> yeah, he is on his phone. He's on his phone uh, doing some texting. Are you texting any coaches? Uh, coaches and players, yeah. Coaches and players. Uh, with our marketing guru, Lewis. What's up, guys? And finally, the Germinator. <laughs> Rene. What's up, guys? What's up, guys? Rene, we were in Miami yesterday, right? Yeah. We, we, we were filming at Nova, then we went to Miami. We're, we're trying to get the vibe of Miami to show athletes what it's like, and it, it rained the whole time. <laughs> so it didn't really work for us too well. Sounds like Florida. We had a nice lunch at Soho House. It was fun. That was good. But um, anyway, let's get into today's topic. We're going to be talking about the, um, the NCAA, the NAIA, and the NJCAA, and what is really the difference, what it is explain that to you guys you know a lot of athletes are kind of getting offers and they're like well you know is d1 better is d2 better should i go to junior college so ben's going to really get into detail about that because he's already moved closer to the microphone i can see he's getting eager about it ready when you are <laughs> <laughs> um before we get into that we've got a bit of news uh we're going to talk about our podcast we are now top 50 in the world for is it sports recreation for yeah. sports yeah. For just sports? Sports and recreation. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, obviously, I guess we're, we're, people like the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's always good. Um, so, yeah, thank you for that. Let's keep that up. Our aim is to get into number one. So, hopefully, we can get there over time. We're on our way. So, anything you guys want us to talk about more, please you know, message us on media at athletes-usa.com. We're here for you. We're here to help you. So, you know, we're just basically putting content that we think people want to listen to. Mm-hmm. But if there's things you guys want to listen to, let us know. We'll be more than happy to help out. Uh, the giveaway, Lewis, what's going on with the giveaway? So basically, uh, we did our first gear giveaway last week. Huge success. Had a lot of people enter. Um, just check out our Instagram page. It's at athletes USA. Um, and we'll be posting some more information about that tomorrow. So just stay tuned and follow the page. I believe last week we had over 500 people, right? Yeah. 500 comments. So, which is great. Cause we thought we might only get 30. I guess our hats are in high demand. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, uh, and finally, big news is that we're very excited about this. Uh, we're very you know, honored to work with a, a golfing legend. Ernie Els has become a partner now of Athletes USA. Woo-woo. So yeah, man, it's awesome. <laughs> um, we're excited to, to work with Ernie and his team, his amazing team here in Jupiter, Florida. We're going to do some great things in, in golf and also all the other sports that they have networks in. So lots of exciting stuff to happen there. Um, you can check more about that on our press release on our website on our blog section as well. So great partnership. But look, we know you guys are... Really ready to get into the, the crunk of uh, the topic today, which is the NCAA, the NIA, and NJCAA, and also the Triple CAA, right? The California <laughs> There's version. more, yeah. There's more. But Ben, I'm going to pass it to you. I can see the eagerness coming from your face. Let's get into it. 
So, guys, uh, especially you internationals listening, there's three to five governing bodies that manage our sports here in the United States. The big one, the most well-known, the one with the most teams, is the NCAA. The NCAA has Division One, Division Two, and Division Three. The NAIA is another organization that governs our sports bodies. It's getting to the point where it's so large that they have Division One and Division Two as well. The National Junior College System, the NJCAA, governs our two-year colleges here, and there are Division I, Division II, and Division Three opportunities within that as well. Then uh, the CCCA uh, is a California junior college organization, and there's a couple other organizations that govern our sports as well. Now, when you're talking to us, we may refer to these organizations oftentimes as we're talking about your potential recruitment or assessing your abilities. Now, it's important to know that the divisions within each organization or governing body uh, represent different sizes of schools and varying levels of athletic performance. Now, these athletic performance uh, measures that we use are different in each and every sport. So there's 27 different sports we talk about all the time with varying club options as well. And they compete at all kinds of different levels. So the team and I will discuss what might be the best opportunity for you in each sport. Because Division I NCAA may not be the best organization for you, depending on your level, your budget, and what you're looking for in a college or organization. Yeah. Uh, you know, someone who's completely new to this, I'm going to try and relate this to something they can relate to. Now, these organizations are similar to what you find in professional sports. Like, so with soccer, you have FIFA, right? They're governing the whole governing of football. But then you get more into a country, like, so I'm from England, you have the FA, right? So the same thing here in the US, the NCAA is governing that whole sports divisions for that collegiate sport in, in their teams, right? Um, is it fair to say, Ben, the NAIA is kind of a rival to the NCAA? Yeah, the NAI is growing to the point that it's extremely competitive with the NCAA. Uh, it's growing much faster than the NCAA. Why is that? It's newer, uh, and there's different rules with the NAIA that allows athletes to sometimes compete uh, professionally or at an yeah. older age or for adult students that might not start school traditionally right after high school. Yeah. So the different opportunities bring about uh, varying levels of skill at different ages. So what we want to do, luckily here at Athletes USA, we've actually got someone who's played in every different division, right? So I did junior college. Ben, you were... NCAA Division Two. Uh, we've got Rene. NCAA Division Two, And yeah. Lewis at D3. Uh, N- yeah, NCAA Division Two. And Herbert's not in today, but he was Division One. So, But we, yeah. all, we know about his story, so we're going to kind of rep for him as well. Correct. So we've got every division covered, and also the Triple C, Double A. Um, we have athletes that we send there, but it's pretty much the same as the NJC, yeah. really. Correct. It's just Californians wanting their own thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, we have a big system. They have 120 schools. So. Yeah. So we're going to talk a bit about the differences. Uh, we're going to go into our own stories to kind of explain that. Uh, and then what to kind of consider when you are looking at your option, yeah. uh, which is obviously very important because this show is about you, the athletes, to help you guys make the right decisions. So what should we start off with? Should we start off with the, um, the junior college? What are you guys thinking? Yeah, let's start with junior college, and why don't we kind of yell out a sport, and we'll kind of discuss what opportunities there are okay. in each. Well, yeah, that's a good idea. So I'd say, well, going with junior college, since I played junior college, yeah, I think in, in any sport in junior college, it's all very similar, because the main reasons you do junior college are, you know, you want to go to a top division one school, right? For me, that's why I did it. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I want to go to Stanford, uh, or, or like Florida State, somewhere for golf at least where, you know, it's a high level. Um, 
it now. And only what I know now would have actually done D2 in Florida. But, you know, for me, junior college was to get more exposure here in the U.S. So that way coaches at that top Division One schools could see how good I was. Um, and also academically, my academics weren't at a level, um, you know, where I could go straight into a Division One where I felt like I would have struggled. So the junior college kind of gives you, you know, still those first two years are counting towards your degree. So you know, it's not a waste of time. Some people think it's a complete waste of time in terms of academics. That is completely false. Um, it does count towards your whole bachelor degree. Uh, and really what it does, if you go to a good division uh, one junior college, because you actually do have different divisions as well, you're going to really set yourself up to go to a very good division one or high level division two school, provided that you do well. Because if you do badly there, you're going to, you know, it does the opposite. Yeah. The benefits of a junior college are, are, are numberless. There's so many. They, they're oftentimes lower cost initially. So yeah. without scholarship, they're going to cost you less. They have great scholarship opportunities and less rules on which they can spend those scholarships. So they have more opportunity in terms of subsidizing the cost. It's great for students that academically may not be prepared, don't meet progress towards degree, or, or things that we'll talk about in future shows. Uh, when it turn, in terms of language, if you're not fluent in mm. the language of English, it's a great two-year opportunity to improve your English. And then athletically, some of these junior colleges are better than yeah. some Division One and Division Two teams. We beat a lot of D1 teams yeah. in friendly games. We'd crush them. Yep, and then mm-hmm. um, in some sports, junior college is the better route. In baseball and softball, if you intend to go professional, junior colleges don't uh, have the same penalties you would have when committing to a D1 or a D2 school. Uh, if you commit to a four-year college as a baseball player, you have to play at least three years before you can go pro with junior colleges you don't have to play three years. You can only play one and then decide to go pro again. So uh, many benefits for the baseball organization, and those teams are often better than the Division One and Division Two teams you see out there. Yeah, and the, the Triple C AA is, is exactly the same pretty much. It's just that they play on you in California, whereas if you go to uh, you know, an NJCAA across the states, you're going to be playing in different conferences in, in, within the states. Yeah, varying locations. Uh, you can be all over the country and play in junior college as well. Yeah. So. So let's go on to uh, Division Three, mm-hmm. Lewis. What's Division Three like? So um, basically, well, my experience with soccer, um, like it's probably it's I would I would say probably um, probably the lowest out of the three um, as far as ability goes. Um, athletic ability, a- yeah, athletic yeah. ability. Um, typically, what you'd see is like uh, three or four like really talented players, and then um, a wide range of ability abilities after that. Um, and it was, it was interesting. I, I was on a, uh, one of the top 25 or my sophomore year, we were, um, one of the top 25, uh, D3 teams. And it was a, it was a solid level of play, uh, the team I was at, but I would say really in D3 is where you'll find like, uh, one of the biggest ranges of abilities. Like some of these top D3 teams probably can compete with some D1 and most D2 schools, but the lower half of the D3 programs are all, um, pretty far behind, um, any of the D1, D2 or, uh, junior college teams but um as with any division um in in soccer at least um i would say that the top the top 25 or the top 50 teams probably compete can compete with most of the teams um in the other divisions the division three would be your people going to school that are looking for your academics first some of the top 100 programs or most of the top 100 academic programs in this nation are division three schools they do have academic scholarships but do not offer athletic scholarships so uh, this is an opportunity for somebody that's trying to pursue a career in something else but want to continue their sports career. 
yeah. get former years of I, athletic. I mm-hmm. agree. I think it's, it's the best way to go if, you, if you're looking more at the academic angle. Yeah. It's, it's actually a great way to go. Yeah, yeah, but you will need more budget, though, if you're internationally for Division three yeah. schools than you will for Division two and Division one and other options. But as an American, though, it's, it's not going to be necessarily the worst of your budget. No, mm-hmm. no, no. It's not going to beat you up as an American. I actually chose a D2 school over a D3 school, but the D3 school would have costed me less because I got a larger academic scholarship. So that's, yeah. that's nice. Well, and one more thing that I think we should add is I think that, Ben, you'll probably know this too, um, the recruiting restrictions are probably the most lenient for division yeah, three. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. Definitely division three is open minded. You can even play professional sports sometimes and play mm-hmm. division three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that moves nicely then on to division two. So why did you pick a division two over division three, even though the division three was a better deal financially? It did not have to do with sports actually. It had to do with the major I was looking to get into. Uh-huh. And at that time I was interested in hotel institutional management. Yeah. So when I chose between the D two school and the D three school I chose because of the academic major I was looking for. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Renee? Because you were Division Two in, in Hawaii, which I think is amazing to be in Hawaii in the first place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I mean, I, had, I hadn't really had a choice. When I was doing it, I was, I was coming too late to the whole process. So I had about six months to finalize everything, and I got an offer. I got one D2 offer from a school one hour away from Boston in the middle of the woods and then I had Hawaii Yeah. so that was a pretty easy pick for me I wasn't eligible for D1 because I was already 23 yeah. I had obviously too many gap years I, I, I would have had a penalty so I, I, I went to D2 um, in soccer and that, and that is what I played I think in D2 in terms of the level of play in tactics and the style of play I think D2 is the probably the better level because for that reason that a lot of international players that do have a high level they're most of the time they're thinking about going pro when they're 18 19 and then as soon as they turn 20 21 22 mm-hmm. they decide to go to america to play college soccer so all those kids are not eligible for d1 yet so you have a lot a lot of good international players playing on a d2 level especially on the west coast and then also down here in Florida, all the D2 programs are really strong. They would probably beat almost any D1 program. Mm-hmm. Also on the West Coast, those programs are super, super strong because of that, that a lot of internationals play at those leagues. So at the D2 level, um, I had a lot of fun playing because it was just fun. I played with guys from Spain, from everywhere, from all over the world. So there was a lot of big talent. And then for the Americans, they all want to go D1 because that is um, where... I believe American soccer players want to go because that is the main bulk from where the MLS draft picks their players. Yeah. So that is where the MLS players, in, in parentheses, coming from. That is the D1. But there, there has been D2 players that have been drafted also last year, the draft before. So it doesn't mean if you go D1, that's your only chance to get drafted. Also in D2, there's a lot of, lot of players that get drafted because of that, that there's so many international players that are just not D1 eligible and they go T1 at, at D2 to play. So in soccer, it's really, it is really up to the program and up to the, the, the region that you can say, okay, is the D1 level better, D2? It's, it's way more fluid than it might be in other sports, I would say. That's going to be a theme you see in all our sports here, that the lower levels, so to speak, the D2s, the NAIAs, the junior colleges that are located in warm weather will be better athletically than many of the Division One schools that are in cold weather. Mm. So I'd say the only time that is irrelevant is basketball and American football. Yeah, mm-hmm. basketball and American football is correct. Uh, and those are sports where 
D1 is the highest level pretty yeah. much exclusively, but then they're pulling most of their talent from America instead yeah. of internationally yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And that's because America is stronger at those sports. Yeah. yeah. Baseball as well, I'd say it could be in that echelon. Yeah. Well, the NG, the uh, junior college baseball league is really that, good. That's really good because they draft a lot of players it, from overseas, yeah, exactly. like Dominican Republic. Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah. Where else are they getting good players from? Puerto Rico, yeah. Japan, Japan. Yeah. So yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. the English Australia. level is the reason why mm-hmm. they go to junior yes. college first, and a lot of times as well, it's because they're going to go pro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they do junior college for one year. Yeah. And, and then, then just because they can not, get drafted like right out of right, because they're simply not ready yet to go pro, so they do that yeah. college year, mm-hmm. um, and then they're going to go to the the pro scenes after that. So. Mm-hmm. A lot of this comes down to, in terms of, you know, well, I, wanna, you, you, you I just want to yeah, add something in terms of junior college because yeah. we didn't really, and that's just because I'm, I'm soccer and I, I can talk about soccer. There's, if there's internationals listening, also my American people listening here, junior colleges, I think they have a bad rap for some reason. It doesn't really make sense for me to, you sometimes speak to people that just outrule going to a junior college. Yeah. Because they say they don't want to go. For some reason, it has a bad rap. It doesn't. There's soccer programs in the JUCO that would probably beat also any D1 program. And they're so, their reputation is so good for bringing players. And I think you can almost translate that to any sport. They, after those two years, they're basically becoming a scouting pool for D1 schools. So they would place and they would park players that are ineligible as of now for D1 or D2. They park them at the junior level. If you don't have the grades, if you don't have an SAT coming into America, mm. you have the chance to play JUCO for two years and you're going to get picked up by one of the big D1 programs because that is their main bulk where they scout in. So if they want to get transfers, they mainly get at least the D1, D1 programs. Yeah. They get the transfers from the JUCO colleges. So that is where the big D1 schools, they look for players in. Yeah, and that's so true. If you, here's a funny thing about this. Uh, playing junior college myself, any person that played junior college will tell you the same thing. It's a great place to get recruited. It right? is. But anyone who hasn't been in junior college would say, oh, it's not very good. So you, think, you, know, you don't judge a book by its cover because you haven't even read the book, mm-hmm. right? Like if you've done junior college, like pretty much before I came to the US and I went to JC, I had two Division one options. Yes. I had Bowling Green, Bowling Green and Notre Dame, but I wanted Stanford. So I wanted to go to junior college and prove myself. Going to junior college, I then had like about 10 to 15 extra offers, yeah. right? And I wasn't the best player in the country. So, you know, and, and it's the same thing for I see with my friends. Like my friends would get like UNLV, UCF, uh, UAB, one of my friends went to from, from junior, junior college. So... You know, the only way you won't get drafted from a J- JC is because you failed your grades or you party too mm-hmm. much and then you, you lost your chance. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's yeah. the best place so to good, get recruited. So a good example is, for instance, the school I was working at, at the Division Two school, I was coached for two years. We basically had a pipeline to one of, ju- to one of the junior colleges and they would send us their best players every year and they would be the best players on the D2 level as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they would bring in our leading goal scorer, our main defender, so they were competing on the junior level, uh, on junior college level, but they would be then coming on to the Division Two program, and, hap- and that's happening on the D1 level as well. They are the best players on those programs as well because they're fostered them for two years, they create them, yeah. they bring them over to the US, and then they transfer them on to... And to be honest, at least in soccer, that's the way it works. Your freshman year and your sophomore year doesn't really count. If you perform in your junior and your senior year, and that is those two years when you're going to be at the D1 level. That is when it counts for the big clubs if you MLS, want to turn yeah, pro. Yeah. Yeah. It's only those two years. No one's going to – I mean, they're going, to, they're going to ask you for your freshman year, but that's four years ago. It's yeah, going to yeah. be your last season and your season before when you have to perform. 
And junior college is going to prepare you for that two years and then you have your big chance to perform at the D1 level. Yeah. And I think that is the biggest advantage of that because as a freshman, and that goes to my Americans, I would rather go to a junior college for two years, play, score goals, whatever you want to do, perform, get some uh, recognition, then sit on the bench, get redshirted, and don't play at the D2 level, at D1 or D2 level for two years. Or NAI level. And lose, or NAI yeah. level and, and lose any... Like you lose your competition, you lose your, um, <laughs> you lose on experience of two years. Mm -hmm. Just go to to junior college, prove yourself, and then go on to a big and function right away at the big programs. You get four years to play college sports here, and you want to play those four years. Yeah. So you don't want to be sitting on the bench, on bench. not playing at all, Correct. and lose years of eligibility. So, okay. I, well, I was going to say because American football and basketball, the athletes that go to Division One and, and normally those sports straight away don't typically play the first year. No, mm -hmm. they're no. normally not big enough, strong enough. They don't have the mm -hmm. plays. So mm -hmm. typically, you redshirt your first year. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, in most cases, about that redshirting, we have topics on what redshirting is, but it's basically you sit out the year, but you don't mm -hmm. lose eligibility. Yeah. We're yeah. going to do a topic on that later in the week. I think we'll do a mm -hmm. short video. Ben, I can see you're going to itch onto something. Can we just quickly go into what the NAIA is? We didn't actually talk much about well, that. So, with yeah, junior college so and NAIA, yeah, another organization that governs our sports. They compete at varying levels of competitions in Division One and Division Two. The top NAIA programs are as good as uh, most of your top Division Two programs. They compete with many of your Division One programs, depending on the sport. I would say your individual sports like golf and tennis. Uh, and sports like uh, rugby, hockey, and things like that are getting very, very competitive and growing. And uh, they offer varying opportunities for kids at sometimes lower cost. They have different scholarship rules, more scholarship opportunities. Uh, schools scattered across the country, a big league, and uh, you know just so many opportunities. My girlfriend competed at the NAIA, won national championships, had the opportunity to transfer if she wanted to because she got great exposure there. Uh, but decided to stay because of the location. So uh, Florida NAIA, very good program, yeah. very good opportunity, low cost for it, creates great opportunity. Now, the reason we're talking about all these organizations is because you're going to have a choice between which organization, which school, where the value is. You should know that costs do not associate with the level. Division One schools aren't more expensive or less expensive. It depends on the university and its location. Coastal mm -hmm. schools will cost a little more. Uh, overall costs without scholarship will cost more. Mid, mid of the, middle of the country schools will cost a little less. And so location and league don't necessarily, and cost don't necessarily correspond. So uh, when it comes to choosing your college, you're going to have all those factors to decide on and the level uh, is one that you have to make that decision on based on the location, based on the league, based on uh, what they're asking you to pay. So there's value in each choice. For, for me, the, the number one reason to choosing a school is based on what are you trying to get out of the experience. Correct. Yeah. You know, right? Like, are you trying to be a professional athlete? Because if that's the case, you need to put yourself in a school that's going to help you get to that next level. Right coaches, right facilities, right, right location. Like, for example, if your sport's outdoors, maybe like tennis, golf, you know, you want to be down in the sunshine states, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. You could, you could do tennis up north, I guess, and indoors, but, mm -hmm. you know, you'd probably rather train outdoors because you, most of your tournaments are outdoors, especially for golf, you want to be in the sunshine states. Yeah. Soccer, I'd say as well, it's better to train more mm -hmm. southern than northern. What do you think, Renee? I think it's... I mean, it's all right to be up north. There's there's big, big soccer programs, for instance, in Seattle, there's Washington, yeah. because 
you mainly over here practice and play on turf. That's true. So yeah. the only thing that is going to bother you a little bit is the cold. But yeah. you can you can live with that. I mean, it's a sport where you run all the time, so you don't really feel it. Mm-hmm. So you can practice outdoor as long as there is not right. 20 inches of snow. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's a mild climate might be perfect in yeah. the middle of the country, not necessarily. It would be perfect, but I wouldn't yeah. rule out any northern states yeah, in yeah, soccer yeah, because yeah. in soccer it's not really that important. Yeah. Because what happens is if you go to the NCAA tournament or you go to the tournament, you go to championships, yeah. they're not going to ask you if you want to play in the sun. No, so they're going to yeah. put you wherever the tournament is, so you've got to be ready to play in the cold anyways. Mm-hmm. And since the tournament is usually around December and November, you might... Play in the cold. Yeah, you yeah. might play in the snow, and then if you just if you're, if so you're that's what we it. call when I was young. That's what we call like a sunshine player. Yeah, and that's what coaches usually did not like in soccer. Yeah. But I was from Germany, so they were really hard on that. Yeah. So you, so sunshine players were like the fancy ones that yeah, yeah. don't want to play in the snow, don't want to <laughs> play in the mud. And so in soccer, it's not that important. But obviously, I mean, I played in Hawaii and I played in Florida. Yeah. So me saying that sounds a little bit of yeah, yeah. hypocritic, but it's not. But then, then it but shouldn't really count. You shouldn't rule out any location in soccer. I don't think yeah. so. But then, like other sports, but for golf, like, it makes sense, though, 100%. Yeah, like other sports like swimming, basketball, um, you know, these are indoor sports. You can do them anywhere in the country. Weather's yeah. not going to be a major factor. Yeah. But what is going to be a major factor is what do you want to study, mm-hmm. right? Because it might be a program that has a great sport program, but if your goal is to be, you know, in academia and get a degree and maybe work in. Microsoft, Apple, yeah. Nike, whatever. You kind of want to be going to schools that are known for recruiting in, in that industry. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, I think it all comes down to is there's five or six categories to make your decision. Academics, location, cost. Is it level of athletics? Is it the facilities, the, the way the campus actually looks, the number of students there? And you have to figure out which of those six or seven things are most important to you and then find the formula that equals the best value for you, whether it's a full ride up north or on the coast that doesn't have your major, or if it's 10000 to have the right location and the right major, that's probably a better value to you than yeah. nothing at the wrong school. So I'm going I'm to wrap this up here, guys, unless you want to add anything else in. So I've got a good tip, everybody. So if you're thinking, I don't know, this is sounds like there's so much info I don't know what to do, right? This is why we're here. So if you guys need help deciding where's the right school, where's the right location, this is what we do at Athletes USA is help you figure it out. So it's really easy. We have a nice free evaluation for you guys to learn what to do. Just go on our website. It's athletes-usa.com slash apply. You're going to put in your information. We're going to contact you. You probably will speak to one of us actually on the team, one of our scouts. And we're going to help figure out where is the right location, what is your goals, and we're going to get you a great school. And on that bombshell, we're done for this week. We'll see you next week. Thank see you so you much. Bye. Bye.